Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2017. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Welcome to Issues 2017. Nice to have you with us. Hey, good morning. What have we done? One of these shows so far? We did. You've you've been Wichita Police Chief now for almost a year, correct? Uh, It'll be two in January. Two years. I got the wrong date. Okay. So what do you think of the job by now? Well, uh, Wichita has been very good to me and my family, and uh, we're enjoying it here. Have you found any big surprises in the in the city that you you weren't aware of? Um, not really. You know, I mean, there's a lot of challenges, obviously, um, but no, no, everything is pretty much what I expected. How many officers in the police department now? We are at 650. Uh, we have 17 vacancies because of retirements and resignation, resignations. 650. I had thought it was like 400. Have no, you been, you've been. Have you been putting people no, on? No, I want to put more on. Well, you got to remember the city's growing, <laughs> That's true, right? True. And demands on uh, our cops are uh, more and more every day. The expectations of our police. Do you need? Do you need? Actually, need more officers in? Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, and primarily because uh, one, the expectations of police uh, are changing. Uh, mental health issues uh, are falling on the shoulder shoulders of our police. Uh, as more and more funding gets cut federally and at the state level, uh, it gets pushed down to us. And our our cops are the social workers uh, of today. You know, I was talking about that with somebody the other day where uh, the, the mentally challenged, uh, mentally ill now are the responsibility of what? Teachers and cops right now. Right. And especially, uh, you know, after dark, we are the only number you can dial three digits to, actually even during the day, and get a government response to your door. Um, the expectations of what what's happening right now with our our officers is uh, is pushing the limits. What uh, uh, what is your annual budget then? About eighty three million. Ninety one percent of salary and benefits. Oh wow! Yeah, so, so yeah. There's not a lot of extra room. It's it's simple for guys like me. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, not, have to deal with a lot of uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, you recently talked about an upward trend in violent crime in Wichita. Uh, which which number is troubling you the most? Well, that? I think gun violence is the number that since 2014 we've seen uh, increases in our aggravated assaults associated with uh, gun violence. And uh, what we're seeing is a lot of people are choosing to resolve conflicts with with guns, and uh, it's a concerning trend, and it's something that we want to turn around. One of the questions that I had prepared for you uh, had to do with the new Kansas laws about concealed and carry and so forth. And I'm, I don't know if that has any impact on this at all. Or, or What do you think? Does that, that have an impact? Well, you know what? I think we need research on it, for one, right? Uh, we do know that we're seeing an increase in uh, shootings. We're seeing an increase of, uh, you know, what we call pointing and aiming incidents on the roadways, road rage, you know, where a lot of people maybe used to, give someone a certain sign with a with a hand gesture now we're seeing people are pulling out a gun and pointing at so uh it it might be society's changing i don't know the answers all i know is that we're seeing an increase it would be great to have some research done so we could work on solutions 
Um, and have you taken any steps uh, to bring down these numbers? Not necessarily just the shooting numbers, but all the numbers. Well, you know, technology, um, the area that I'm really focusing on is increasing our technology. There's technology available to us. We've recently partnered with the KBI and ATF to do more work on our shell casings to match those up uh, at uh, with crime scenes and connect them with other crimes. So um, there was technology that we weren't using that we are now utilizing to help us uh, catch the people that are responsible for, for shooting these guns. Uh, you know, we look at crime numbers over the years. I've, I've looked at them, the FBI reports and so forth, and they, violent crime Ebb and goes flows. up and down. Yes, and it does. What, how much of that those numbers are simply beyond any police department's ability to influence? Well, you know, I believe... I'm sure you've thought about I this. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so, you know, perception, people's perception of crime and reality are often two different things. And right now we're dealing with a perception issue where, and a lot of it's played out because of the attention it gets on the news, right? Let's be honest, sure. when the first three stories are crime, absolutely, um, it causes concern. But uh, the reality is with all the talk about homicides, we are, we're three more than we had last year. And, and any one homicide is too many, but, you know, the majority of our homicides that we've seen this year are argument-related. They're people that know each other, followed by... Uh, the second uh, area that we see are domestic violence, uh, where, you know, it is uh, a boyfriend or, uh, um, you know, so that kind of dynamic relationship. It's not just a random thing where somebody comes up to you in the public or in your home and shoots you. No. Uh, usually it's, very rare. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very rare. Usually they, they know each other. Or the, and the connection is often, you know, other than domestic violence, those arguments usually are fueled by drugs, alcohol, or combinations. You know, uh I recently talked with the Century County District Attorney Mark Bennett, who told me opioids are becoming a problem in the Wichita area, but meth is still king. Do you agree with that? I do. Yeah, meth is still cheap and accessible. And in the world of addiction, that's really what it boils down to is what is uh, cost and uh, availability. And some of these drugs are getting very, very powerful, aren't they? Oh, you bet. The fentanyl uh, that's happening, you know, that's a been called an elephant tranquilizer, right? That's what it was kind of used for. There's been officers throughout the country who have touched it or inhaled it and uh, had serious health issues associated with it. I've heard it even died. Is that true? Well, fentanyl is responsible for a lot of the overdoses throughout the country right now. Just by touching it. Yeah, yeah, touching it, inhaling it. Yep, skin contact. How dangerous is that? Good gravy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's a problem. And, And keep in mind, opiate abuse starts with prescription pills. Uh, opiate prescription. Uh, you know, I had a neighbor of mine, he was an ER physician, and he was trained in the 70s. And he said, you know, Gordon, uh, when I was trained in, he said, we only prescribed opiates for those in hospice because it is so addictive. Uh, you go over 20 days of using these drugs and the likelihood of you becoming addicted increases substantially. And it is a tough drug to get off of. Ask anybody who's been hooked. So uh, people need to recognize that. And also when they have opiates that they haven't used in their home, throw them away. You know, we had a case where we investigated a young man had a new Cadillac Escalade thanks to his grandpa's stored-up uh, opiate pills that he sold on the street. Well, that's exactly what uh, D.A. Bennett said in our last show. Mm-hmm. Get out of that medicine cabinet and get rid of that old stuff. Pay attention. Yeah. Uh, now, I, in the case of someone close to me who had surgery recently, <laughs> uh, this person's been taking some, uh, I, I guess, are opioids. I'm not sure. 
But uh, there are some pretty strong, uh, she's getting some pretty strong resistance every time she goes in to prescribe it. And I know resistance, but they're being real careful with her. Right. And so that's there a, are some laws in place. Yes, laws know. and awareness, right? Yeah. And, you know, I had a doctor yeah. pull me aside one time and he said, you know, don't blame medicine for this because uh, the society's desire to be pain-free has driven this. And I thought that was an interesting point as well. Oh, well, most of us don't want to experience pain. Right. But, uh, yeah. All right. Um, I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, cameras. I'm talking about the, the stationary cameras that you, uh, the city has erected around town. What have we got, 72 of them in operation? Around now? that. And yeah. uh, many of them in Old Town. Obviously, you have a place in Old Town where... Gosh, it's a terrific place. We're all excited about it. It it's a, has a huge impact on uh, the city and our, our economy and so forth. And yet, there's some violence going on down there every now and then. And, uh, and it, how is this helping? Is this, are these cameras helping with that? Yes. And keep in mind, violence is rare. The problem is, is when there's any violence there, it gets attention like nothing else, right? Because just for those reasons you said, that is a, a hub of the city and an area we want to see do well. Um, but we've also got a pretty vibrant bar district, and that bar closing time gets to be one of the issues where we see uh, sometimes issues occurring. So every night, every Friday and Saturday night, we have extra officers down there as well as we're monitoring, monitoring those cameras to keep people safe. And you, and if there was a time when you were picking up on traffic violations and using the cameras for that, are you still going to do that? You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because uh, here's the deal. The officers that took the initiative to do that, I support them, right? They did nothing illegal, nothing unethical. They and were I, being police officers. Yeah, and I encourage our guys <laughs> to use technology and think outside of the box to do new things. But the reality is, is that even though they did not nothing wrong. Uh, my philosophy and the philosophy I'm trying to instill in the department is we want to educate and communicate with the public. And in that case, uh, it was done. It was a it was a effort for three days for three hours apiece where these uh, the officers took the initiative to focus on traffic. And you got to keep in mind, traffic's the number one source of complaints in the city. But what what should have been done in our uh, review was one, it would have been good to have a discussion with me and other command staff about it so that we knew what they were doing. We could talk through it. I had cameras in my old city, and when the issue of traffic enforcement came up utilizing those for it, I said no, uh, because it is extremely controversial. But they are a good tool. But had these officers talked to me, I would have said, you know what, let's talk about education. Let's talk about notifying the public. Uh, and really, the purpose of those was not for traffic enforcement. Um, now, if they're watching a scene and uh, or watching uh, things going on, they see egregious traffic violations. You know, I get that. But really, um, that should have been more of an education piece versus pulling out the hammer. You know, and the old adage goes, you look at, you, 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 have, pretend you have a hammer in your hand, and all of a sudden, everything starts to look like a nail, you know. And the goal of traffic enforcement and our laws is voluntary compliance not the hammer. You know, if you racked up a few of those up there on uh, Kellogg in the afternoon, you might get yeah. some voluntary Kellogg, compliance. I still think we could have a great reality TV show called the <laughs> Kellogg Daily Drive. It is something else. I, I don't make it I don't make it during the afternoon or you know morning drive very often, but when I do, whoa. Yes. It is amazing. Yeah. I've written two tickets on Kellogg this year. Um, myself, just because of the craziness. But also, I also pulled a guy over who had debris falling out of his truck, and I almost, uh, my life flashed before my eyes when a guy came within inches of me. It is a dangerous wow. roadway. Well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt that uh, we've got to focus more on it. What do most police officers think about riding tickets? Big pain in the rear end. Uh, I'd rather be, you know, 
Cops don't like to write tickets, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't know who likes to be the bad guy, right? But the reality is, is that uh, then that's the that's the odd position that police are put in, is that there's this expectation that we are. And even on the camera issue, you know, we had some people say this is good. You know, uh, we've got traffic issues we got to focus on, and then we had the others. And you know, uh, the thing about policing is you can't win. Okay. Not like the firefighters you can, who can always win. Yeah, <laughs> you gave me a real good answer. And I think I, I I need to remember that when I get pulled over. This guy's doing something he doesn't want to do right. and not make it worse. Right. Well, and as I tell my wife, don't immediately say, what did I do wrong when the cop comes up? You know, I mean, be friendly. She, she doesn't understand why she always gets tickets. Okay. Your wife gets tickets. All right, we got oh, a, yeah. we've got a breaking news story here today. Uh, you're listening to Issues 2017 on the Intercom radio stations. Our guest, Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey. Uh, so how are those firearms laws working? Uh, do they make the police feel any safer out there? Or? Well, you know, the uh, for me, you know, learning the constitutional carry law, it was a surprise the first vehicle that I pulled over and there was a gun sitting on the seat, not being able to inquire about it, right? Because you got to have some... You can't uh, even ask? You can't even ask. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they're legally anybody can carry. And... Uh, so it makes our job a little more difficult. So when you talk about the, the gun laws and, um, you know, is there things that would maybe help us? Well, uh, yeah, that's that's a different from the, the past. Yeah. Also, you know, the other night we had a guy, he calls in that he had been shot. And uh, after hours of investigation, it was determined that he had accidentally shot himself, but he was a felon and couldn't be in possession. And... Um, so we That's see, interesting. oh, okay. and we have a yeah. lot of those yeah. actually. Probably about one to two a week. Wow, where we have people that accidentally shoot themselves and and are embarrassed to say anything, so they say someone shot them, yeah. and then after we do more work, mm-hmm. either they're a prohibited person or they're just too embarrassed. That's why experienced media people will not jump to any conclusions on a shooting. Uh, I like that you said experienced. <laughs> yeah, right. Some, some people, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, right. It'd get us both in trouble. Let's talk about human trafficking. Uh, what are your investigators seeing in human trafficking? Well, what we've realized is that uh, it's a bigger issue than, um, than before, and that as we learn more about it, we recognize that it's been underneath our nose, and we haven't seen it. Yeah. Right, so uh, it's a problem. Uh, about sixty-five. This is a this is a staggering number. About sixty-five percent of our runaway kids somehow end up involved in sex sex trafficking, and whether it's uh, you know to, for for a place to stay for the night or actually being trafficked, um, our runaways need our attention. Yeah. Now, uh, what are you seeing on on uh, talking about prostitution? And stings along Broadway you've been running. Is there a specific area where this is concentrated? Looks like you pretty much about a three or four mile strip there. Yeah, a lot of across town. A lot around the hotels, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a high crime area. Uh, It's not just prostitution. That prostitution also uh, fuels and is part of other all overall crime issues of uh, crime and disorder and theft and drug abuse and drug sales. And uh, it's part of the, the issue that we're trying to address. When you uh, actually, when you arrest someone on suspicion of prostitution, are their clients hauled in as well? Well, so... Uh, if you're doing a sting, it's a police officer, yeah, stinging, right? Right. So, um, but, but, so you just don't bust a, a couple on the street or something like that then? Well, that can happen, yeah. right? Uh, our astute cops see it and can work those. Um, but, yeah, the reality is, and, and we're 
we're working on uh, the male end of it because of the issue with a lot of these women are trafficked, are abused. Um, you know, we have arrested females in these stings, but we do offer them assistance to try and get out of their uh, out of the cycle. You know, we see a large number of domestic violence cases on the daily police crime sheets. Talk about that problem for a minute. It's our third highest call in the city, and it is a problem. And as a father with a young daughter, uh, it's concerning to me. And uh, we are doing everything we can, including uh, we're doing a criminal justice audit right now where we're looking at how better the criminal justice system, and that includes everything from the start of the 911 call to the end of probation for the suspect, uh, can we be better as a system to ensure that these homicides that are, you know, number two on our list for cause, how can we reduce those as police and as a community and a criminal justice system? It is a problem. Tell us about uh, WPD's efforts to communicate with folks in various neighborhoods. Uh, that's been something you've been concentrating on, I know. Well, Community policing. If you community know. policing. Yeah. It's uh, For one, is that everybody, when you talk about crime trends and you see crime going up, it's... A lot of people look at police as the face of the issue. And the reality is is that uh, police can't solve crime alone. Most of our crime is solved with tips from people, people calling stuff in. And the community has to be a partner with us to be successful. But also the community needs to know their cops and feel comfortable calling them. So relationships has been a focus for us, to build those relationships so people are comfortable talking to us, calling us and working with us. And those can go on for years if you do it right. Correct. Yeah. An individual, yeah. I still have, I still get invited to graduations and different ceremonies from friends that I met through the job. Mm-hmm. Well, is it working pretty well, you think? I think we're making progress. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but I think we're making progress. How are the body cameras working? Is every is every police officer got one now? Every patrol officer patrol does. Patrol officer. Yep. Uh, sergeants don't. I'd like to find some money. Uh, it's a fabulous program, except it's very expensive, about $380,000 a year, which uh, yet isn't budgeted, and I have to come up with that money every year to pay for that. Um, but it is fantastic. Since I got here, we have allowed people to come in when they have a complaint, if there's not an active criminal investigation, to watch the video. We have resolved 119 complaints by allowing people to come in and watch the video. And uh, many times they quickly run out the door and are embarrassed uh, because it was different than they recalled. There was another, speaking with people in in the criminal justice system, there was another hidden thing they didn't think about, processing evidence that comes from that. Uh, It can be really time-consuming for for the investigators and and lawyers, you know. We pull in 30,000 videos a month, and all those have to be tracked. And if we want to find, and so in a year, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of videos. And when we have to find that one video, we better be able to find it, or a judge or prosecutor or victim or suspect is not going to be happy, right? So it's it's an intricate system that needs to function right. Give us your philosophy on transparency. Transparency. Well, uh, Cora, I'd like to see some changes made to Cora, right? Because a lot of – and Cora is the Kansas Open Record Act. Oh, okay, the Open Record. Yes, which uh, kind of is the guidelines for releasing data. Um, around, let's take body camera footage. Um, you got to remember, we capture people at the darkest moments of their life, often in their own homes. Who should have access to that? Well, in my opinion, the people that are the subject of the video, those that are in it, should always have access, as long as there's not an active investigation. Um, but it shouldn't be an ex-boyfriend or a neighbor that can come in and get a video on Steve and see why the police were at his house yesterday, mm-hmm. right, and watch what happened. Um, 
but the people should have access to it. Now, let's take uh, high-profile police incidents, use of force incidents. Yeah. I do believe that those should be released. The question is, at what point? Right, because the prosecutors will say, "Oh, I don't want you to taint witnesses or jury pools." Um, so the DAs, the prosecutors, have to be part of this conversation. But it is clear to me the public wants those videos released, and I think we need to have a conversation on that. I also think it needs to be legislated with clear direction um, and not left up to local officials, such as a police chief or city attorney. Before we started the, uh, th- this show. You had said there were some issues that uh, uh, you hoped that I would cover. Have I left anything out so far? Um, <laughs> Something that's uh, that you've got uh, you're, you're burning to talk about. Well, you know, the one thing that I'm seeing is the the demands on our officers, and that we did a staffing study that um, indicates we need to add police officers. And uh, what I am seeing on the streets is that our officers are are working hard. They are going call to call, and it's. Uh, inhibiting them from doing a lot of the community efforts that I want to do, the building those relationships. The other big thing that I'm seeing, and this is around, is around use of force, but uh, the gals and guys in their uniforms out there protecting us are, my charge to them has been talk through situations, slow it down, don't rush in and use force uh, if you don't have to. Um, but the reality is, is they've got 15 calls waiting in some circumstances, and they are realizing that their partners are waiting for them to clear this call. So what I have seen on the street is that sometimes they're saying, okay, now, citizen, you need to do this or else you're going to go to jail, right? So the talking isn't happening because they're feeling rushed. Yeah. Then it goes into a use of force situation. And it's my responsibility to advocate for them and share with the citizens that we need some more cops out there to prevent some of this stuff from happening and work on those relationships. Well, when you talk about recruiting and retaining police officers, I'm sure that's a challenge now. Uh, are there enough people out there? Is there a pool out there of people who want to be police officers? Well, you know? it, it's not like when I started. In the early 90s, I show up, showed up for a test at one department. There were 600 people in the room. The chief got, bef- got up in the front, and he said, well, thanks for showing up. He said, I hope to have one vacancy this year. Wow. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah, really? <laughs> uh, but the reality is, so it's not like that. Uh, but we are seeing a good pool of candidates. We, we're going to hopefully fill a class of 30 starting next month. The individuals I'm seeing come from uh, really different backgrounds that uh, they're going to make great cops, uh, a lot of four-year degrees, even some advanced degrees. Uh, so we have to work harder for the candidates, but they're still there, and we're filling the seats with quality people. Good. But it, what's the biggest challenge facing uh, WPD right now? Staffing. Back to the staffing. staffing issues, no doubt. Okay, it's busy out there. Okay, what are the biggest? If you look back and count the successes that you've seen over the past two years since you've been police chief in Wichita, can you name one or two of those that you, you're were proud of? You think you've you've done well on? Well, I think you know we're getting closer to the community, um, and the community I think is feeling better about the PD. Uh, because we've been focusing on relationships. Um, Going back to the cameras and the traffic stops, we've also been focusing on discretion and um, recognizing that uh, discretion and education and communication is a key uh, aspect of how we do and how we're judged by the public. And taking the time to explain things to people, kind of that procedural justice uh, mentality where uh, rather than uh, just writing someone a ticket, you take the extra time to explain what's going on, why this is a traffic area that we're working on, uh, and just spending some time with people explaining. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, as you have the time to do it, too. Right. Uh, 
And if I've taken away one thing today, I've learned, which I probably already knew, is that police officers don't like to write tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I try to not smart off. Well, you know. They I never, don't. I never do. I, I keep it under control, and I say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Well, I should say, you know, I mean, when you get that guy, right, <laughs> sometimes it's not as hard to write as others, <laughs> right? Okay. Well, listen, as always, thanks for your time. You've had a bad bit. So far, I think you've done, a, uh, just my opinion, looks like a pretty good two years so far for you. I think you've done well. Well, you've far been, from perfect. we got great people, Steve. That makes my job a lot easier. I mean, you work hard anyway. I can see that. Yeah. Well, and I'm fortunate I love my job. But the people that, I'm, that I work with make it easy. All right. Our guest is Wichita Police Chief Gordon Ramsey, who's been on the job, I thought, one year. He's been on the job two years. That's all for this edition of Issues 2017. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.